I am Emily Lyons. In 2009, without a high school degree and no money to my name, I decided to start my own business. But since then, I've built several multi-million dollar companies and I don't plan on stopping. Being a businesswoman, CEO, serial entrepreneur, survivor, and general life enthusiast, I'm endlessly jazzed by the business of life, especially the stories of extraordinary people I've had the privilege to meet along my own improbable journey to success. I don't think it's fair to keep that privilege to myself, and I think you deserve to be lifted and shifted by these people too. After all, all inspiring people are inspired people. So get ready to be inspired. This is Mind Your Business. Tony, whenever I um, have seen you, I always see yellow. Well, here we are. (laughs) (laughs) Was that like a conscious thing with your branding? No, it's so funny. You asked that. Yes and no. I mean, so... When I started the company, I was just me. I had no employees mm-hmm. and I had no clients. I had nothing, but I decided I would create a, a style guide, like a look and a feel and a logo. And I was really obsessed with Snapchat at the time. Okay. Yeah. I actually thought I was going to be like a Snapchat focused agency and that faded, but the color yellow stuck. And we used a certain hex color of yellow that's re- like, it's really bright. And it just, you know, we put it into all of our materials, our website, my Instagram, like everything. And it just like has served us for six and a half years in ways that I would never have predicted. It really speaks to the power of brands. And I teach this, obviously brand is a lot of things besides a color, but the consistency and the brightness of the color yellow has honestly gotten us clients, has gotten us like noticed. It's been a huge like mark of recognition. It's funny. Like, I love that you asked that because I'm now known as the yellow girl and I'm here for it. (laughs) That's so amazing. Yeah, because yeah. when I saw your name, that's immediately what came to my mind was yellow. I was like, I've heard Absolutely. that name and it was yellow. Yeah. And the color yellow, it has many meanings to me at this point. I mean, it represents the sun, you know, it represents light, it represents positivity, authenticity, radiance, you know, being unapologetic and standing out. So it's really has a lot of layers on. I'll never not have yellow in my life and my brand. Oh, I love that. It's funny how the little things we don't even really put too much thought into end up being such big things. It's been one of the best happy accidents of my career, frankly. And that's not an understatement. How did you get into your path? How did you get started with all of this? Well, it's really been an evolution. Honestly, you know, I went to school for theater and graduated college and became an actress. By that, I mean, I was an actress slash cocktail waitress slash nanny slash <laughs> job worker. You know, I did all the hustle things to support myself. And then I started business. I didn't even know what the word entrepreneur meant. I never heard it until I was 26 when I became one. And I mm-hmm. met a friend at a day job, one of my side gigs, side hustles. And we became fast friends. And we started this food blog that evolved into a fully fleshed out digital platform for women in the city of Chicago. And I ran that for seven years from about 26, seven to about 32, 33. Mm -hmm. And it blew up. We became the biggest platform for women in the Midwest. And I really was never meant to stay an actress. I feel like the theater background really prepped me for being Mm -hmm. an entrepreneur, but it taught me so much that first business. I ran it for, like I said, seven years, made all my mistakes, grew my network, you know, worked with all these major brands. We were sort of the original fashion and food influencer brand in Chicago. We worked with Nike and Coca-Cola and Lululemon and BCBG and Chanel and all of the hundreds of brands. They sponsored us for events and content. And I really cut my teeth at that time then in marketing, branding, social. And I ended up leaving that business 
at 33, really had an unfortunate relationship with my business partner. We were just in financial ruin in a lot of ways. And I had a nervous breakdown, frankly, at 33. And really, it's important to note, actually, before college, before my acting degree, I grew up in, you know, a very affluent community and I was never cool. And I was, you know, I had a lot of mean girl. I was bullied. It was just, you know, a big part of my unconscious wounding. Mm. And then in my late 20s and my early 30s, I became this like it girl and everyone, you know, was inviting me to parties. I was throwing parties, like really just operating from a place of like a lack of integration inauthenticity. And it really wasn't until that breakdown that I saw all of the unhealed pieces of myself that I needed to really look at and go within. And that's really the beginning of my spiritual journey. And so I left the magazine. It was a huge step. You know, I ended up telling my partner, I'm like, I don't, I can't do this anymore. I'm giving you the keys to the business and I'm going to go off and do my own thing. Wow. That must have been hard. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was very difficult divorce, if you will. Yeah. And (laughs) (laughs) and so grateful for that relationship. It taught me so much and, you know, have really, obviously that's like ancient history at this point, but I really saw myself for the first time needing to tell the truth about what, what I was really going through. And I knew I wanted to go start another business. Like I always knew I would be an entrepreneur and I have this little tattoo on my wrist of the saying simply be the tattoo was there before the business. I got this at like 25 and I was looking at it one day and I was like, Jessica, this is what you need to call your next business. It doesn't matter what it does, but you need to be in constant reminder that who you are is enough and where you are is exactly where you're supposed to be. And it's simple. And so long story short, I decided to launch a little one woman consultancy called the Simply Be Agency. And I just named it that because it sounded cute. (laughs) And I was going to take all of this know-how from working with brands like Nike and Coca-Cola and start my own consulting services and helping anyone that would hire me. And so I launched this sort of at the heels of that ending and the beginning of this, no product, no strategy, no website, just my name saying, hey, I'm available for business if you want to hire me. And I sent an email out to my network. I BCC'd about 200 folks and that was my launch strategy. Mm-hmm. And I got about, I don't know, $25,000 worth of client retainer work within a week. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, oh, shoot, there's something here called my name. People know me, not the magazine, the online platform that I had been running for seven years, but people saw me, the face, the founder as value. And so much so that I didn't have to make a single sales phone call. Like the business came to me overnight. I was like, there's something here. I didn't even do this on purpose. I did this as an accident. And so I really took this idea of personal branding and ran with it. And within, I took a bird walk in corporate America. One of those companies that hired me as a consultant ended up hiring me as a full-timer. And I took the job. It was great pay, but it was not my company, but it was a wonderful part of my you know, experience. And in 2017, I left to officially launch Simply Be Agency as a personal branding company. And it was unbelievable the rocket ride that took place right after that i i did you know $300,000 in sales my first year the second year i hit a million dollars in sales you know here we are six and a half years later we're a multi-million dollar business i have 30 full-time employees wow. i've served 600 clients through the agency i wrote a book you know got a book deal we have clients on every continent now and built a brand and built a methodology that i've now trademarked called the simply be method of how to brand yourself and so it's literally the greatest surprise and also the greatest adventure of my life to have become like a CEO of a company that, you know, runs 30 people and has all these clients and processes and systems. Like I've built a business asset that I 
never would have predicted. And I'm really still on very proud of the fact that I've cultivated a method that doesn't sacrifice authenticity mm-hmm. in building a personal brand, which is really what I sort of discover for myself because back to that nervous breakdown, I was living so inauthentically. Like I was partying and drinking and just had toxic relationships and wasn't confident. And I decided to really start to do my own work and share that journey and really be more of myself and share who I was becoming. And that was the magic that you don't have to be either or. In fact, personal brands where we unlock our magnetism is when we're willing to stand in our professional value and at the same time be messy and be real. Mm -hmm. And so that has really formed the Simply Be way. And I often say that we're a personal transformation company actually disguised as a personal branding company because people come to us and they want the followers and they want the beautiful platform and they want the press. And we do all of that, but we really show people who they truly are and that changes people's lives. And we've, every client cries, you know, because we show them this beautiful brand that we've built for them that's founded upon their messiness as well as their aspirations and gifts. And we've seen such tremendous success in ROI for our clients taking that approach. And so at the end of the day, I think I'm less of a marketer and brander at this point and more of an activator for people. Yeah, I love that. What yeah. do you, so when somebody comes to you and they're like, I want to build a personal brand, what does that entail? Yeah. So we have a proprietary process. We take them through a series of questions and discoveries. Typically our flagship programs include a full day in our office with the client. So the client comes in and we spend nine to five in our beautiful conference space and we play their favorite music and we bring in their favorite food and we make a big mess. And we spend like eight hours almost with this person and that client feels like they're the only client that we have in the agency. And we really get to know them. A a relationship forms between both sides and we get to see the nuances of who they truly are. And they get to see how we kind of think and operate and make the sausage, if you will. Mm -hmm. And then from there, we build out their brand identity. And it always starts with that. You know, I believe that Branding is king. Like people say content is king. I don't agree with that. I think clarity is king. Uniqueness is king. Precision in the message is king. It's so saturated today. We both know that. And you have to really know your brand to pierce through to your right audience. And so we do the brand identity development. We also do an analysis on who is your audience. We have to make sure we're really precise on the positioning of the brand because everyone's trying to reach similar audiences with similar messaging. So how do we make it extra incredibly unique? We do an analysis of the competitive landscape, really looking at other people like them that are trying to reach the same audience. So we differentiate them further. We build out their tone, their voice, their feeling. Many of our clients choose to do visual branding. So I was talking about yellow before. So we really identify what are their colors, what's their fonts, what are their original icons. We really build a visual identity next to the brand message identity. I think those two things are separate, but conjoined. And then that determines our strategy. And we really, you know, figure out how do we take them to market to reach those audiences with specific tactics through content, right? So is it a podcast? Is it a is it a video series? Is it a blogging strategy? What do their socials need to look like? How are we positioning them to the media as an expert to get them placed in places like Forbes and Bloomberg and the Today Show and podcasts? So we do all of that work. And then a lot of our clients hire us to do the execution of that work and become their brand management team. And so those are, you know, the clients that have been in that process with us. Many of them have been working with us for a year, two years, three years, six years at this point. And we really, really see traction in that model. We see a lot of 
traction in other models when we just do brand and the client takes it and they build it out or they, we build their brand and strategy and they execute it, but we offer it all. And it's a real unique process because it's not just what are your goals and who do you want to reach? And you know, what's your business model? What are you selling? It's who are you? Why do you think you were born? You know, what keeps you up at night? What are your greatest fears? Mm-hmm. You know, what motivates you? What do you think your legacy is going to be when you die? Like we ask those questions so that we really pull through the essence of the client, the humanity of the client. I often say that people are the best brands. Like brands are trying to be like people. People are already brands. We have the edge because the purpose of a brand is to evoke an emotional affinity upon itself within less than 15 seconds. Like that's branding done well. And brands are trying to evoke that all the time. But we as humans have that innate ability to create emotional experiences and we translate that through content and and messaging. So it's a really fun, unique way of doing branding. What would somebody expect to pay for that? Like what would be an investment if somebody wants to get started with personal yeah. branding? Well, it's all over the map in the market, but simply be we start around 20,000 to do the brand and identity and visual branding development. So we're pretty competitive. I mean, I I believe in this world you get what you pay for. You know, if you go and you spend $2,000 on something like this, we have a lot of people who come to us and they're like, yeah, you're a little too expensive and we're going to look at other options. And then they end up coming back because they're not happy with the results. But the full investment, if you were to work with us in an ongoing capacity for like a year or 12 months plus, it becomes a six figure investment. So we've, you know, really identified our core client to make sure that we're really reaching the right prospects because the individual, you know, unless you're you know, coming from a big corporation with deep pockets, which many of our clients do, you're independently wealthy, or you see this as a, you know, a really smart investment as an entrepreneur, but I've had such a heart to support small business owners. We've created courses. That's why I wrote my book. You know, my book is $25, you know, $17 for the paperback. And it's literally the keys to the kingdom. I often say that if you read my book cover to cover and you do the exercises, you actually put pen to paper, you will have a brand and strategy at the end of that book. It is that generous and detailed, but, you know, we've evolved as an agency. You know, we have a really sophisticated team. We're really working with a lot of corporate executives at this stage in our business. We're, you know, supporting multiple executives within a company. You know, we'll serve the CEO, the CRO, and the COO, if you will. So it's definitely an investment, but the ROI we've seen with our clients, it's changed their companies. And, you know, we really stand behind that. Well, I mean, people remember the founder more so than the company a lot of the time. And that's who we connect with, people. Say that all the time. Buy from people and people that we like. (laughs) Exactly. Trust. Yes. So I think, yeah, it's just, it's so important. And years ago, nobody even thought of it. It was something, you know, nobody would even have known what it was. I honestly think about that all the time. Like I left my first business in 2014, 15, and then I took that bird walk into corporate America. And then I came back in 2017 to really do this thing. And I really feel like I struck when the iron was hot. This conversation around personal branding wasn't relevant in 2014, 13. People didn't get it. People were still becoming fluent on social media. And this, I think, is the most powerful business tool you can invest in today because you're always going to be you, right? You're never going to 
run the same company forever. I'll speak for myself. You're never going to be in the same job, title, role, company forever. You will be you forever. And having a true value in the market and building the asset called you is invaluable. And it's become a common conversation now, which is good for us. We have, you know, there's more competitors in the space for us, but I think that no one has really cracked the code on personal branding holistically like we have because we were one of the earlier adopters in the space and really started before a lot of people did. Yeah. And I even saw you guys recently got one of the top growing 500 companies. What was it? Uh, yeah, we just made the Inc. 5000 list. Oh, that's fantastic. That's so Thank exciting. You. <laughs> Thank you, sweetheart. That's so sweet of you. It came out yesterday. So we were able oh. to officially announced it yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. That was a milestone moment for sure. I Inc. ranks you on your revenue growth. So the fastest growing privately held companies in the country, and there are 6.1 million of them. Wow. Not everyone. Yeah, I know. Not everyone applies, but hundreds of thousands of companies do, and they choose the top 5,000. And they rank you not only on you know revenue growth, although it's a huge component, it's you know, thought leadership, it's brand, it's culture, it's values, it's your impact in the market and and the industry that you're in. It was definitely, you know, humbling and exciting. And also to say that we grew all these companies, you know, this this ranked you on your revenue from 2020 to 2022. So despite a pandemic, despite the great resignation, despite economic uncertainty, we still created jobs. We still grew at, you know, multiple three-digit, four-digit, five-digit percentages. And I'm proud of that because it's it's been painful. <laughs> like it was not easy, you know. There's been a lot of blood, sweat, and even more tears in getting here. And it really meant a lot to me to make that list. Yeah, it's huge. Thank you. <laughs> What's it like now having such a big team behind you? Oh, honey, how much time you got? <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful. And excruciating all at once, you know, mm-hmm. to be honest, I think any entrepreneur will tell you that the hardest part of the gig is their people because your business is your people. Your people are your business. And there's a difference between being a leader, a really great leader, which I think I am, and a manager of people. And they're different. And I am not a manager of people. I don't, it's my least favorite part. And I've had to obviously do that and step in and, you know, manage teams as it's grown. When it was first starting, I had two people and then I had five people and then I had eight people and then I had 12 and then I had 20. And your organization starts to stack, right? And different department heads are formed and you have to really establish a leadership team. And in my experience, your leadership team, your leadership and management team are the most important people to identify and to get right. Because at the end of the day, as the CEO, at least as you elevate, because you can't be in it anymore. You have to be at a place where you are using the highest, best use of your time. And as the CEO, it's not putting out daily micro fires and, you know, hearing with all due respect complaints and, and you know, the feedback of your team. Like that doesn't always, at least that was the hardest part for me because I want everyone to like me. I want everyone to like this place. I want everyone to love their jobs. I, it's personal. It's your business. And, you know hiring, firing, you know, putting people on 90 day performance reviews, like that stuff sucks the life out of me, frankly. But I've put a lot of wonderful managers in place. I have the best management leadership team today than I've ever had in my history of our company. And that's been the cornerstone to the success and how I've been able to scale myself 
and put myself in the seat of the CEO. In my view, the CEO has three functions. Someone once told me this a mentor years ago, and I never forgot it. And I believe in it. The CEO has three main primary functions. One, business development, sales, driving, driving revenue in and holding big relationships and making sure that the business is fueled. Second is vision, new product, innovation, what's next, always thinking about the future so the business continues to grow and stay relevant. And then the third is culture and really establishing a beautiful place where people feel valued, to have a finger on your pulse of your people, of course, at all times, but by ensuring that your environment is in integrity that is of your personal reflection and making it the best place to work so that people come every day excited to be there. I do think that that is the job of the CEO. You know, you are always on... And this is what I say to my clients who are CEOs. Like you are on stage, whether you think you are or not, people are watching you. Mm -hmm. People are paying attention to what you share on social, to how you show up in the office and how you walk through in the morning and your energy and you greet your staff. Like that is your brand. And so... It's been an up and down sort of experience for me to play the seat of the CEO and moments I've had to step in and be the COO and manage and operate. It's not, again, my genius zone. And I've identified some really incredible people in the last 18 months that are basically running my business for me, which has been tremendous and healing and really, honestly, rejuvenating for me to you know keep my eye on the prize. And yeah, I mean, we have a head of HR. There's, you know quarterly, monthly, annual reviews of our staff. We hold them accountable to their functions or roles, their, the core values of the company. It's definitely a lot to have 30 people. And I'm not even that big of a company. You know? I mean, at the end of the day, I'm a small business. But I would say that I'm most proud of the leader that I've become because of the people part. It's personal development on steroids, being a leader of people. <laughs> it really does stretch you and show you your weaknesses and show you your shadows because you've got to learn how to compartmentalize and not take things personally and be diplomatic and handle conflict and, you know, have an ability to not take sides and, you know, hold your own boundaries. It's it's very, very complex to manage this many people on a personal and professional level. But I think that it has served me in ways I probably won't even understand until, you know, 10 years from now, 15, 20 years from now. I'm grateful for the team we have. And they're amazing. Did you have a lot of mentors or what do you think really helped you to grow? Yes. I have the most amazing mentors. I would say I have two mentors that have really played the biggest part in my life since, you know, my early 30s. Two of those people are now on my board. So I've established a board of advisors. As a privately held company, you don't have to have a board. You do as a publicly traded company. But I decided the very beginning I wanted a board. And they have been amazing advisors to me. And I go to them. I use them. You know, we meet quarterly, but I'll call them. I'll text them. I really have been humbled. Someone once told me to never, you never want to be the smartest person in the room. And I like not knowing things and the mentorship piece of my career has been invaluable. And I feel like very called to pay it forward. I've become a mentor now to many people. And I don't think we can grow to the extent of which we have the potential to grow without mentorship in our life. And I also read a lot of books. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I follow a lot of other, you know, entrepreneurs and executives that I admire that have really become my teachers in a virtual way. And I just think we have to constantly, constantly be students as leaders and be humble. We don't know. We don't know at all. At how do you find them? That's a big question that I get a lot is how do I find a mentor? 
Well, I'm writing a new book right now and I have a whole chapter on this topic. Um, oh. mentorship. <laughs> yeah. I have a chapter on mentorship and how difficult it is, especially in a professional setting. I think 61% of women, especially, don't have a mentor and want one. And it's also really interesting, something like 80-90% of people who do have mentors in the professional setting advance you know, faster than ones that people who don't. Wow. It's such a nuanced question because you know it requires a bit of, I think, serendipity and also intentionality, like seeking them out you know, being formal, asking for someone to be your mentor requires a bit of, you know, humility. And also if you are the mentor, a give to make the time. I found my mentor, my first mentor, honestly, in a yoga class, (laughs) I was part of a yoga community. This was many, many, about 10, 12 years ago. And we were part of this community where we would take the class and then we would sit in a circle after the class and go around and discuss like a topic. And like new age topics, right? And so one week we were talking about abundance. And this was in my first business when I was broke, couldn't pay my phone bill, like had a whole shadow around money. And I just, we went in a circle and we were all kind of talking about our experience with abundance. And I just, it got to me and I broke down crying and I couldn't hold it in. I was like, yeah, I have no relationship with abundance. I'm in actual total scarcity. We were actually trying to raise money at the time for that company and also run the company. And so there was just no resources. And it was really, really a dark time. And in the circle of this yoga community was this woman who was about 20 years my senior. And she was from Texas and she was traveling through Chicago on a weekly basis for work. And she got hooked into the studio too. And she was a C-suite level executive and an expert in marketing. And she looked at me across that circle with like, I don't know, 17,000 tons of empathy and just made eye contact with me and was like, I'm going to help you. And so she she gave me her number. I'm getting emotional thinking about it. And we met for coffee the following week and she became my mentor and she pulled me up from my bootstraps and she showed me who I was. And she worked with me for free every single week for like six months to help me turn my company around. And when I went off to start Simply Be, she was one of my first clients. Oh my God. Yeah. 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 And now she's on my board at Simply Be. So it was magic and total serendipity, like I said. And she has kicked my ass. <laughs> she has really, really, really held a mirror up to me and has shown me my potential. And not, you know, it's not always love and light. Sometimes it's like her, you know, deep Texas fiery feedback that has pushed me to become better. And then one of my very first clients at Simply Be is a gentleman named Tony Hunter, and I'll talk about him forever. He's now the CEO and chairman of a company called McClatchy. But before that, he was the CEO of the Chicago Tribune. And he had turned the whole company around through like the digital age when newspapers were becoming completely obsolete. And he transformed Tribune from bankruptcy to a publicly traded company. He's a legend. And he became one of my first clients at Simply Be. I got like a very fortuitous introduction to him. And he ended up hiring Simply Be to be his personal branding agency because he had just left the Tribune and was going off to kind of do his next thing and need a brand in the market. And so we just connected on a soul level and he's on speed dial. I call him whenever I need him. He's <laughs> also on my board at Simply Be. And, you know, I think to find a mentor is, it's such an intimate relationship. You have to be able to really show your cards, be vulnerable, be seen, be willing and open to take the feedback. And to show up, you know, it's not a one-way relationship. It's not the mentor pouring into you. It's you taking the advice of the mentor and applying it and coming back time and time again to dig deeper and ask more questions and 
to hold yourself accountable to that mentorship relationship in in equal measure. So I stand behind my executive acumen, like because I have such people in my life. Wow, that's incredible. <laughs> Thanks for letting me talk about it. I haven't shared that in a while. I, I, it's just, yeah, it's so interesting how just magic comes to happen just by being in that yoga class. You met her and all of that. Yeah, I believe in that magic. Oh my gosh. I love that story. And where do you want to go from here? What's next? Well, <laughs> I am writing a new book and it's coming out. I actually wrote the book. It's done. And it comes out next summer in August. And it's an evolution. It's no longer me talking about business and branding. It's really a spiritual empowerment book for women. You know, I say that if I taught people and simply be in my first book as well, be my you know, a no bullshit guide to increasing your self-worth and net worth by simply being yourself. It really was a guidebook like the agency, a personal empowerment book disguised as a personal branding book on how to activate your light and your authenticity into your brand and into your business. And this book is really about how to activate that same light and authenticity into every single area of your life as a woman on this planet right now. And I'm pretty unapologetically spiritual. Some people would call me woo, but I just think that's a cop-out word for people who are just highly conscious and on the path and connected <laughs> to a higher purpose and, and, and power. And so really my passion has become empowering women, you know, because I, for the longest time, didn't know my own power, you know, and when it turned on and I really embodied it, my whole life changed and I realized how needed my voice is in the world that I don't need to be Oprah or Barack Obama, or, you know, Tony Robbins and reach billions of people. That would be great, but that's not my aim. We all touch people. We all have our own unique corners of this universe and women are needed. Like, especially women at this time, I think we're in a very contentious time on this planet where the dark and the light are at odds. And not to say that men are dark and women are light. I'm not even talking about gender. I'm talking about feminine versus masculine. And we've all been hooked into women, especially into a toxic masculine paradigm that keeps us sort of hooked on productivity and achievement. And it has really burned me out. And I actually suffered from severe, severe burnout in 22. And I've been on a very intense healing journey from that experience and found my, I should say, reclaimed my feminine value. And so this book is really a teacher and a guidebook to women to really realize their power comes from their feminine frequency. And so what's next for me to answer your question is to really be a, a steward and a teacher of that message. And I've been doing a lot of, you know, kind of experiments, if you will. I host retreats. I've got another one coming up in Santa Fe in October. Oh, Clean- yeah. Yeah. Sorry, what's it called? It's called Claim Your Light. And I did one in, in Nashville in April and it was such a huge success. So I'm like itching to do another one. So I launched another one. It's almost sold out. And, you know, back to my high school years and middle school years, you know, I was never really a part of a group of girls. Like I was never cool. I was never popular. I didn't have a click. I kind of floated around group to group my whole young adult life and really have, I think, consciously and unconsciously created spaces and community for women to come together to really truly lift each other up. I think that that's such medicine right now for the world and women need women in sisterhood to feel that sense of confidence and to feel that sense of permission. And I want to create support and places and spaces and programs around that. And so that will come when my next book comes out next year. 
And, you know, my business is humming and I have, like I said, the best leadership. Someone said to me recently, she's actually a member of my executive team. She's like, you have built no longer what's a lifestyle business. You've built a business asset. And it's kind of what I've always seen myself doing is starting many, many companies in my career and not being a a CEO of an agency forever, but being an entrepreneur and a founder of many things that touches a lot of people's lives. And so I have some ideas of where I'm going to go next year, but it's in the works. And I really am excited about my second book because I think it will be a launching pad for for what's next. And I'm I'm really excited about that book. I, I say simply be, if the book B was my business in a book, which it was, this next book is really my soul in a book. And I think a lot of women are going to read it and feel incredibly seen and healed, I hope, with the messages that I share because it's it covers family, it covers romantic relationships, it covers female friendships, it covers body image and dysmorphia, it covers trauma and emotions, it covers mentorship and how we find you know women above us, women behind us to reach out and together. It talks about the planet, you know, just how we have to come home to her because she's angry <laughs> and yet loves us and wants us to love her in return. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'm very excited about this book. It's kind of me coming out of the closet in a lot of ways. <laughs> Is it going to be yellow? There will be yellow in it <laughs> for sure. <laughs> the, I'll never, like I said at the beginning, I'm never getting rid of that color. You've mentioned a few times how difficult it was when you were younger. And I keep wondering what you would say to your younger self if you could talk to her. Oh my gosh. Well, I would tell her it, it all works out for you in the end. <laughs> you did okay, girl. You're on the right path. Don't trust too much. You know, I would tell her she's loved. I would tell her she's safe. I would tell her she's being guided and that nothing is happening to her. Although it might feel that way in the moment, everything is happening for her, that she's not a victim to anything. Although it might feel that way, that it's all part of her lessons to be a teacher of ultimately. I would say this is your curriculum and one day you're going to teach it and you're going to help a lot of people based on what you're going through. So know that it's bigger than you. And, you know, to just never question that. Yes. The partnership. Do you regret doing that? No, no, no. You know, it's so funny. I don't really talk about it very much because, you know, it's it's so long ago and I have such peace and gratitude for that relationship. I actually saw her a year before we met. I saw her at a gym and she was interviewing actually for this job that we ended up working at together a year later. And she had these like beautiful shoes on. And I just, I remember looking at this girl and being like, I know this girl. Like I couldn't take my eyes off of her. And then we ended up becoming business partners, you know, a year later. We had this journey together for like seven years. And that was a soul contract. I really know that now. I saw her in that gym and I felt like I knew her because I did know her from like a past life or probably many past lives. And we were like sisters. There was such love right? But I don't have a sister. I have a brother in real life, but I know from my friends who do have sisters, that sisterly dynamic really invokes a lot of love, hate, you know? And that's what we experienced. And we were both so young. I mean, she was 24. I was 26 when we started this company together. We didn't have the tools. I'll speak for myself. I didn't have the tools, the personal maturity, the involvement, the ability to communicate, to know how to take my own responsibility. Like I was acting from a lot of reactionary emotions and, and, you know, just, I wasn't as evolved as I am today. And it ended up ending really poorly. And it's sort of, 
tragic the way it ended, but it was also completely divine. You know, she was meant to go off and do her thing and I was meant to go off and do this thing. And the lessons, you know, the lessons that I learned from that relationship formed me in such meaningful ways. And and I'll actually, I'll share this. I'm pretty open about the fact that I work with plant medicines. And a few years after that relationship ended, I worked with this plant medicine called Bufo. It's also known as the toad. And it's a, a psychedelic, <laughs> you smoke it. So there's like a funny moniker, like, did you smoke the toad? And, <laughs> and so, yes, yes, I did. And um, in that experience, it was life-changing. And I I reached in that experience what I would only call be able to, to, to describe, because it was pretty indescribable, as infinite oneness to really dissolve into the truth of the universe and understand this whole game, mm-hmm. which is love. It's why we all exist, is to experience, to express, to hold, to know, to share, to receive love. And in that medicine journey, she came to me and I saw the like eons of lifetimes I had had with her, even though I couldn't name specifically the relationship dynamics. I just, it was a soul contract. And what I really took away from that experience is the people who have hurt us the most, the only reason why they could hurt us that badly is because we love them. Otherwise, they wouldn't have hurt us that deeply. You know, mm-hmm. people to cut you off in traffic, someone leaves a troll comment on your Instagram. Like it it doesn't hurt you because you don't it maybe might sting for a moment, but you move on. But yeah. the lasting pain and heartache and betrayal and deep, deep anger, you know, comes from the deep, deep love that was formed originally. Mm-hmm. And so in that journey, I realized that the reason why we had both hurt each other was because we loved each other. And that was such a gift to be loved that deeply and to have that love in return experience in this lifetime. And the pain and the heartbreak and the anger and all of the dark things that came after that formed me and and changed me and ultimately made me better. And so this concept of forgiveness, quote unquote, which we all talk about, from a cosmic perspective, is pretty obsolete of a word. Mm-hmm. We have nothing to forgive people for for hurting us. At the end of the day, what we only have to say to them is thank you. Thank you for coming into my life. Thank you for loving me the way that you did. Thank you for hurting me the way that you did because it's shaped my soul. It's evolved me as a human being in this body, having this human experience. And without you, I wouldn't be who I am. And so I don't regret that relationship at all. I have so much gratitude for it at this point. And, you know, I haven't seen her in like, I don't even know, 10 years, seven, eight, a long time. And I think about like, if I ever run into her, it would probably be awkward, you know, in a, like a, on a human level, but only if she like knew the truth of how I really feel about her, which I would never say, you know, it'd be weird, but it's really how I feel. And, you know, it's taken a lot of time and space to get there. You know, I get that that sounds like, oh, wouldn't that be nice? You might be someone listening and like, I, I'm so wounded and hurt and heartbroken by this person right now. You, you're advising me to tell them thank you. No, it takes a lot of your own time and space, but also your own healing. And ultimately, I think the last thing I'll say about this, what really set me free, and I think what sets all of us free when it comes to hard dynamics with other people is learning how to accept radical responsibility for your side in it. Mm-hmm. You know? One of my favorite expressions is like point one finger at somebody and you've got three pointing back at yourself. Mm. You know, it's so easy to point blame and and call that person out. But looking at 
all the steps that you took and things you did or didn't do to cultivate that dynamic because it's a two-way street is freedom to be able to own your own side and to look at the healing that you have to do. It has nothing to do with her at the end of the day at all. And on a professional level, yeah, it taught me how to be a better communicator, a better partner, a better businesswoman, a better leader, a better entrepreneur. It served me in immeasurable ways professionally, but most of all, it has served me personally. And, you know, I'm not recommending everybody go smoke the toad, but it does, <laughs> it does help. It helped me, I should say. It was a big, it was a game changer. Is it actually like from a toad? It is. It is. It's from the Sonaran Desert Toad. I don't know how like the indigenous people cracked this code and figured this out, but the good news is there's no harm done to the toad. They're humanely treated, at least that's, you know, the medicine healers that I work with. And it's a, it's a venom that they secrete. They only come out underground because it's so hot in that part of the country. It's like Southern California, Northern Mexico, and they cultivate the venom and they dry it and it turns into a powder and yeah, you smoke it and it's, it's a very intense experience. It's only about 45 minutes. I don't really love talking about plant medicines. I'll talk about them. They're a part of my life. I don't do them all the time. I've done them enough to have my own experiences and relationship with them. Unfortunately, it's a space that has become very trendy. Yeah. And everybody who's anybody these days, it seems like, can have a couple journeys, read a couple books and call themselves a shaman. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, like they're just people. And you have to be so discerning and you really have to hold your own sovereignty and do your research and build a relationship and know who you're going into these journeys with because it has to be clear and filled with integrity and love and light. And I've unfortunately not always done that. I've had a few experiences where the practitioners in the space wasn't clean. It was actually quite dark Mm -hmm. and that can really screw you up. And so you have to just really take your own time and hold your own sovereignty, know who you're getting into this space with in order for them to be as healing as they're meant to be because they're serious. You can't mess with them. Yeah, it's intense. It is. However you can find the healing, I think, you know, doesn't have to be plant medicines. It can be a million different ways. Absolutely. I do them all. Healers, coaches, somatic breath work, like getting into nature, (laughs) like it's all healing. Oh my gosh. Well, (laughs) Like yeah, the the time has flown. I could listen to you talk. I know. I'm I'm like, what time is it? It's where how did that even happen? <laughs> where can everybody find more information about you, your retreat, all the stuff you have coming up? Yeah, you can go to simplybeagency.com to learn more about my agency. You can go to jessicaswig.com backslash retreat to learn more about claim your light. You can follow me on Instagram. I spend most of my time there. I'm just at Jessica Zweig. And I have a podcast too, Simply Be, the Simply Be podcast. So come find me. Say hi. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time today. This was wonderful. Yeah, you're a wonderful interviewer. Thank you for your beautiful questions and your presence. And I loved this. Thank you for having me on your show. My pleasure. 